We have to go back! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today, we are going to caution that you watch out for that review of george of the jungle ricky i'm gonna go out on limb and say <laughs> out on a limb and say that was probably the best intro you've ever done <laughs> uh thank you uh yeah we are reviewing george of the jungle because there is another movie hitting theaters about a foretold white ape that would be Rampage. You listened to the last episode, in theory. Uh, if you didn't, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. And the white ape's name is George. Uh, come on. Come on. It just wrote itself. So, we are taking a look back at the 1997 uh, live-action comedy that is based off of a 1960s cartoon of the same title, George of the Jungle. On the off chance that you didn't watch Cartoon Network reruns obsessively like I did, like if they aired it, I watched it. Yeah, and what? You never had a sick day? <laughs> right? Georgia Jungle was a 1960s cartoon uh, produced by Jay Ward, the same guy who made Rocky and Bullwinkle. Uh, and Georgia Jungle was a half-hour program with just a bunch of parodies of other properties, basically. George of the Jungle was a parody of Tarzan. There was also another series that aired in that half-hour block called Super Chicken, which is basically kind of a parody of Batman. Uh, and Tom Slick, which was kind of a parody of Racers. He was like a... Like, all these people were just comedically just real bad at their jobs. <laughs> and Jimmy the Pirate, a parody <laughs> of nothing. It's just an original story about a really good pirate. And so that series, and I thought this was really interesting, that series only lasted for 17 episodes. Whoa. It only lasted 17 episodes. So the cartoon show, um, after its initial air and reruns, uh, it only kind of resurfaced because um, Dana Olsen, the screenplay author uh began writing a spec script titled gorilla boy uh and that was the nickname that she gave her son and while shopping the screenplay to the studios she intentionally avoided disney because she knew that they had the film rights to george of the jungle and figured that they wouldn't want to make a movie about some other tarzan boy uh well did she know uh Disney is not afraid to have their cake and eat it, too. Uh, but it turned out that they said, you know what? We don't have a script for a Tarzan-type spoof. So they looked at and bought Dana Olson's No Relations story. And then we were presented with the 1997 George of the Jungle. It premiered number two at the box office behind what movie, Grayson? What movie do you think? Probably My Left Foot with Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> Is that the wrong year? Is that it, what it was? It was the wrong year, wasn't it? Was it? The, it was the wrong year. It was way before that. Yeah. Mm. I uh, should have known. <laughs> it was actually Men in Black. With Daniel Day-Lewis. With Daniel Day-Lewis as Mr. Man. And it eventually went on to become a box office success with $174 million worldwide. 
And it spun off a direct-to-video sequel not starring Brendan Fraser. But Jean Cleese does come back because, you know, it, it's easy for him to come back. It's just walk into the studio. Oh, before you leave, Mr. Cleese, uh, would you mind reading these lines? Well, I was already here. <laughs> uh, so the brief synopsis of George of the Jungle is basically, uh, hey, you, you know Tarzan? What if Tarzan was a big old dummy? George of the Jungle. <laughs> that is quite an elevator pitch. Uh, yeah, and, and that's, that's, that's George of the Jungle. So George of the Jungle uh, came out in 1997, and Tarzan came out in 1999, uh, making George of the Jungle Disney's first property to get a gritty reboot. <laughs> because if you watch Tarzan, it's George of the Jungle with Edge. And, of course, with a movie like George of the Jungle, you don't want to work too hard. You don't want to cast someone who hasn't already played a caveman. Like, no, you go with mm. the best caveman man you know, the Encino man himself, yep. Brendan Fraser. He is sick-ripped for this movie. It's impressive. Yeah. Another kind of interesting connection that this movie has to another movie we reviewed is the ape animatronics. They use the animatronic technology that was first invented from the Ninja Turtles movie. Nice. I watched the really cool uh, behind the scenes featurette when they showed like, yeah, we use this animatronic technology created by Jim Henson. I'm just like, those are the same kind of puppet technologies that you use for the Ninja Turtles. And that's why the apes look so real. That's how they knew that they could use nunchucks. <laughs> They'd done it before. We already have the warehouse. I also kind of feel like Jim Henson's the only one that's ever developed animatronics. I've never heard anyone else be like, and animatronics developed by Brad Stevens. <laughs> Oh, yeah? It's like, oh, yeah, uh, he worked under Henson? He worked at this Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> uh, so I do want to take a quick trip over to Quote Corner. Mm -hmm. This movie has the best use of the narrator I have ever seen. Absolutely. Um, we'll get more to that later. But one of my favorite lines in the whole movie was the narrator saying, don't worry, kids. No one dies in this movie. They just get really big boo-boos. <laughs> and then it cuts to this guy just covered in bandages who just got thrown off of like a hundred, a minimum a hundred foot drop and just in bandages. And it cuts back to him and, he, the, and the narrator says, see? <laughs> Love it. Love the it. narrator is fantastic. It is the example that all other narrators should follow. Um, the only thing that could make this possibly differently entertaining is if this narrator was Ron Howard. <laughs> I was thrilled every time people addressed him. I loved it every time he called out the absurdity of the situation. Were you fighting with the narrator? Was that a convention of the cartoon? Yes, the cartoon. Okay. Yeah, the cartoon show was so so self aware. In fact, in the interview with Brendan Fraser, he said like, and Brendan Fraser was so serious about this role. He's like, you know, you go back uh, 
creating the character of George, you really you you take a look at these seventeen films. I mean, you see them as films, um, and you go in and you try to bring life to this character. And so, like, he watched all of them. Well, that's quite an afternoon. <laughs> I binge watched all seventeen episodes, uh, and yeah, it was a huge convention in the show. The show would make all these different kinds of references. Cause like, like I said, I grew up watching the show. And so when I heard about the movie, I'm like, that's that show from the people who made Rocky and Bullwinkle. And I'm super excited about it. Cause I, I was a fan of the show. Like George was just, I mean, it's the show is the movie. Like it's a, a guy. It's, it's basically the, what I call the inspector gadget um, slash get smart model of, you have someone who is just very accidentally really good at what they do mm-hmm. due to no real rhyme or reason. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was George. He was like the king of the jungle, but like terrible. It was just a big old dummy. <laughs> yeah. I it, The film itself felt like a human cartoon. Yes. And they stayed very true to it. Because I don't know which of the 17 episodes I watched when I was a kid, but I used to watch it. Pretty regularly, I thought. I'm blown away that there are only 17 of them. Uh, and this felt like it was in the same spirit. So, Grayson, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. When was the last time that you watched George of the Jungle? Oh, it was probably 1998. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I have not seen this movie since it first came out, uh, or nay, a year after it came out. And I don't have a ton of memories of it other than... It's the first time I realized that they could show footage in the trailer that does not make it into the final film. Oh, yes. You are referring to the A-A-E-E Tuki-Tuki scene where he is in first class getting a beverage, which I assumed was a very tasty orange juice. (laughs) Yeah. Tuki-Tuki on the airplane was why I went to go see the movie and that because it was the only thing other than men in black in theaters. Well, (laughs) maybe my left foot, we haven't checked the year on that. And I, uh, I was blown away. And I remember being indignant as a, at this time, what nine year old, I would ask my friends, I go, you saw it in the trailer, right? You saw the bird (laughs) sitting on the plane. How come they wouldn't put that in the movie? How are they allowed to not put that in the movie? Nobody cared as much as I did. Is what is kind of what I discovered. Uh, no, I noticed that too. I was because it would have fit perfectly. Like it's not like they didn't have it in the budget. They already shot it, you know. Um, yeah. And I think that that would have been. And even when I was watching the movie, I'm like, okay, this is the part where. Oh no, that was just in the trailer. Yeah, it's like, Tuki, go get George. What was really hard for me to to wrap my head around as a kid was wh- what is the continuity? Because it's not like they just left it out. They make a choice that he flew with his wings across the ocean to George, and, and it's like, well, he didn't do both. He didn't like fly to New York and then catch a connecting flight on a plane <laughs> to San Francisco. So I I don't know what to believe. I don't know what's canon. I assume whatever is in the final movie is canon and the trailer is what non-canon? Like you showed it to me. Yeah. I'm oh, this is really bringing back a lot of memories. Yeah, well the trailer was the 18th episode of oh. George of the Jungle. 
and then they adapted the movie from the trailer. That was the twist ending. The whole thing was just an in-flight movie that Tookie Tookie was watching. <laughs> I bet you that's exactly what happened. <laughs> and if you'd like to watch that trailer, we will have it in the show notes as well as on our Twitter, at FlashbackFlicks. No, I had a lot of the same experience that you had. Like, I remember watching the movie. I'm pretty sure we owned it on VHS, so I probably watched it a couple of more times because it was during that era where they did this movie. They did Inspector Gadget. But at the same time, they had uh, did a live-action uh, Tom and Jerry movie. They did a live-action, and I say they as in the collective of Hollywood, Rocky and Bullwinkle, uh, Dudley Do-Right, which... Brendan Fraser also um, certainly has a type uh, played as Sir Dudley. And yeah, just a ton of other shows just from our childhood was being made into all these live action or feature length movies. Because I think personally that Cartoon Network had a ton to do with it. Uh, Like Scooby-Doo, like this is Scooby-Doo and Zombie Island and the live action Scooby-Doo movie available uh, as a previous episode. Uh, archives, listen. And um, yeah, I I just remember just being like, oh, wow, they're making movies of all these current shows. Because I mentioned this before on the podcast, I didn't have a concept of, they're just playing old stuff for you now, young Ricky. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait till we get older and they start making live adaptations of the cartoons that were popular when we were kids, like the live Powerpuff Girls, live Dexter's Lab, live oh Johnny God. Bravo. I don't want to see live Cow and Chicken. I want to see a live Courage the Cowardly Dog. But Dexter's Lab. Oh. Where's that? I think Nickelodeon said, I drink your milkshake and bring you Jimmy Neutron. <laughs> yeah. Was there anything that you noticed this time around uh, besides the lies that Hollywood tells you through movie trailers? Yeah. Mostly just being aware of Leslie Mann's career. Um, I didn't know who she was like as a nine-year-old. Right. And looking back, it's like, oh, that's amazing. Same thing with Thomas Hayden Church. Back then, I was aware of Brendan Fraser, though. Somehow, I don't, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the Mummy stuff, but I didn't understand a lot of the jokes. I felt like I understood the jokes that I was meant to understand when I was a kid. Um, so it was great to be able to appreciate it. Yeah, just largely George's inability to be aware of trees which by the way Mm -hmm. i think that that is one of the even though it's like a ongoing joke i think that is the best most realistic thing to take from the tarzan mythos to know (laughs) that he is just he's swinging from trees and constantly hitting them i love it i love it i love it what i like is how many times they say it in this movie and not even when they don't say it The amount of times they're able to adapt the musical theme in different styles and arrangements to make us think it is impressive. What I really want to know is when he's on the bridge and he's about to hit the boat, what everyone was going to yell simultaneously if they had continued saying, watch out for that. Was it like a steamship? Was it just, what was it, boat? Watch out for that boat, scooter. Oh, I was going to say like a a car ferry. Like... (laughs) I don't know what kind of boat it was, but it seemed like it was unlikely they were all going to say the same thing. Tree is a given, unless you get into the specific like genus of the tree. Yeah, like if people can't agree on what to call Superman, it's a bird, it's a train. Okay. Oh. Sorry, yeah. plane, not train. <laughs> it's a train in the sky. <laughs> oh my goodness. 
Somebody save that train in the sky. Maybe that plane can save it. Um, so yeah, I noticed a lot more stuff like that. I appreciated the narrator. I didn't even remember the narrator, but yeah. by far my favorite part of this whole thing, and just being like, the dog bone is too much. I'm like that's too <laughs> yeah. much. So stuff like that. What I one of my favorite scenes in the movie though is the um, the non-verbal scene where George is bolstering the confidence of the little monkey, and he, they don't say anything really. But there's this whole dance almost of you're going to go out, the lion's going to come, you're going to intimidate the lion, and the other monkeys will respect you. And it's such a beautiful moment, and they don't have to say anything. It's just all through action on the screen and a really touching moment. And it's stuff like that that they pepper throughout the story to where by the time you get to the end and you're like, oh, I understand why Ursula and George are together. It's because of these really sweet moments. So I, I appreciated stuff like that a lot more than just the Pratt Falls. Oh, yeah. And I'm trying to confirm, I could be wrong, but I want to say that the voice of that little adorable monkey was none other than Frank Welkner, uh, who was the voice of Abu in Aladdin. Certainly has a type. I think the biggest thing I noticed, oh, the gift of the narrator. Like, I was laughing so hard because at first I was ready to, you know, kind of bite the bullet, uh, hold my tongue because of our several rules about being positive. Or in uh, George's case, have the bullet graze off your forehead. He got shot in the head, right? He got shot straight in the head and yeah, then okay. just got a real big boo-boo. That's what um, I thought. Like you do. I walked into this movie expecting to, you know, have to try to find like the diamond in the rough and be like, I mean, it wasn't the like I expecting it to be bad, basically. Um, I was expecting to say like, oh, no, this is the second worst use of Richard Roundtree since Steel. Um, But I didn't have to say that. Uh, because I was legitimately having the best time watching this movie. Um, th- the narrator is so it's such a gift. Like, unless the narrator is going to be a character, you don't need a narrator. I- I'll just say that. Yes, you can do like certain voiceover things to like book in the movie, sure. But like a straight up narrator, like that narrator needs to be a part of the story. Um, yes and this narrator has opinions and he has a point of view and he judges events and he can interact and he's more than just an exposition cowboy just wandering into the scene as needed he has a purpose (sighs) yeah and he was it was just so great and so in line like it's such i think this movie is probably one of the lesser known really great adaptations from a cartoon to a film because like growing up watching a cartoon, I even watched a couple of cartoon clips. They did a pretty flawless job uh, making that uh, not only a believable transition from like cartoon to film, but a really, really fun ride. Um, yeah, and they it's just everyone was enjoyable, and uh, and and I just I was glad I was able to still uh, appreciate the movie for what it was. Yeah, it also made me realize that all of this could have been avoided if the catchphrase had just been, hey, pilot, watch out for those rocks. (laughs) 
All right, now we're going to go to the part of the show where we like to call head, 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 head cannon. Part of the show that we're going to now. Watch out for those unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Ricky, I just got to say, that may be the best headcanon <laughs> intro you've ever done. Oh, man, I don't know what it is about George of the Jungle, but it's my muse. It's great. Go with that. Uh, uh, my biggest piece of headcanon, the reason why they got stranded on the island is because they didn't watch out for that rock. And that the directionally challengedness comes from the father who was the pilot. So there's that. Uh, my other piece of headcanon is this. Um, Leslie Mann, as we know, uh, has made appearances in several Judd Apatow movies. My headcanon is that George of the Jungle is actually based off of that scene where he was like running with horses. And I was just like, this feels like a fantasy novel with what he's wearing and how he's just like running with horses, this, that, the other. I believe that Debbie from This Is 40 and Knocked Up wrote a romance novel called George of the Jungle. Um, <laughs> and it's about her wish fulfillment of how she wishes that. 1996 Brendan Fraser was the man of her dreams who whisked her away from all these other uh, problems. Uh, and that's it. I really love that. Thank I think you. that's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Thank you. So my headcanon relates back to the whole reason that we picked this in the first place. So we watched George of the Jungle. We have a lot of elements in play. We got George. We got the big ape. We got the jungle. Um, <laughs> which was oh. sincere in my head, but saying out loud sound ridiculous. And we picked it because of Rampage, starring Dwayne Johnson, where there is you know a big ape named George who comes from the jungle. So I was starting to think about that, Rampage being a video game movie uh, that's being made. And I thought about what is another video game with a jungle with Dwayne Johnson... Uh, and it took me to Jumanji 2. The thought being that George of the Jungle is actually part of the Jumanji video game. The animated sequence we saw at the beginning is actually the opening cutscene from the game. And since Dwayne Johnson is a playable character, one of the missions you go on is you go and you find a giant ape who at this point is older, grayer, and after a very... Uh, prosperous Vega show has moved back to the jungle and taken on the name uh, no longer just of ape but as his uh, his former friend his former brother George um, so the ape is George paying tribute to the former king of the jungle um, at that point when Dwayne Johnson finds George and takes him into the city, that's when he is in Rampage. So Rampage is actually also within the Jumanji game, but just a different level of the game after you get off the island. I also had a hard time deciding how does the narrator fit into all this? And I believe that the narrator is the player. That is why you're able to nice. interact with it. It's the player dictating the action, much like somebody using the program, playing the game. And whenever they kind of talk back or they're self-aware, it's because they are aware that they are in the game being played by the narrator. That's so good. And 
just George's durability is just like him respawning, yeah. basically. He's like, eh, I guess I'm okay. Yeah, he's got like superhuman abilities, and it it does feel like a game. It allows you to suspend that disbelief a little further. If you're like, oh, this is like the origin story of the Rampage Jumanji universe. Nice. Very well done. All right, now we're going to go into the part of the show where we like to talk about recasts and remakes. So, Grayson, if this movie were to be made today, uh, who would you cast and what would the storyline be? For George, it seems like somebody who has like the physique, like a, a Chris Hemsworth type would probably be a good call. But... I like the idea of someone with the unexpected physique. <laughs> They're like, oh, they got in shape for this? So like a Jake Johnson type. Yes! Where it's just like he got super ripped for this. He's got the comedic timing. He's goofy but sincere. The classic Brennan Fraser brand. Uh, I think Jake Johnson could do a really great job for Ursula, uh, Leslie Mann, because she is timeless. <laughs> and then for... Uh, Lyle, the the fiance, I had Finn Whitrock. is an American horror story. He was uh, in one scene of La La Land, he, but he does a great job at playing like a privileged snob a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they took Lyle a slightly different direction and just went with like the mean type of Lyle um, that kind of bosses people around, Haley Joel Osment and Future Man, like totally showcase that oh i think he would gosh. be a hilarious like current day Haley joel osment i think he could totally drop right into it and it reinforces that feeling of like maybe she was just in this because of the money or it was kind of an arranged thing between her parents and you still root for her to like run away with george so that, that was the cast i had yeah no that's a fantastic cast i also had chris hemsworth in my original cast I feel like him specifically uh, would have just a ton of fun, especially with after seeing him in Ragnarok. I'm just like, oh, no, he mm-hmm. would have an absolute blast. Yeah. Then uh, for Ape, Andy Serkis, um, <laughs> you know, he just has a, a type. Uh, but I want him in that suit. No mocap. You put him in that Ninja Turtles tech uh, animatronics and you let that guy run around and you might be thinking ricky but john cleese wasn't in the suit i don't care get andy circus <laughs> in the suit and let him act his heart out it's real hollywood movie <laughs> uh for ursula um i don't know why uh natalie portman she just comes to mind I don't know. Her and, you know, Chris Hemsworth, they just seem to just go together. Well, for a period of time. Yeah, right, right. She realizes she liked the jungle, but she didn't like, like, the jungle. <laughs> exactly. And then uh, for Tiki Tuki, uh, Toucan Sam. Sure. Follow your nose. Yeah, we have seen a lot. To of first that. class. Yeah. If they were to kind of take it a different direction, I mentioned the the older ape in my headcanon, but if they did an older George, I think that would be interesting where he's kind of returned to the jungle uh, after years and years. Uh, like his son has grown, all that stuff, but he's like basically old man George. 
um, I think would be amazing. And you could do it with like a, a Stallone type or a Schwarzenegger <laughs> or a, a Cena senior. Oh my gosh, you're so right. John Cena, he's, he's the one. The guy's got range. And we already know that he has chemistry with Leslie Mann. Ah, you're because right. of chicken blockers. <laughs> That's right. Chicken blockers is in, uh, in theaters That's now. why we did the movie. Oh, <laughs> That's chicken <what> blockers. <laughs> and now we're going to go into the final segment of the show where we give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend George? George. George of the Jungle, friend to you and me. It really is true to the source material, at least what I remember. And yes, there's not that much source material to draw from, uh, but I feel like what had gaps in it, they filled in in a way that felt uh, authentically within the universe. It is just fun. It's kind of unique. I was just shocked by some of the very human moments, um, even human moments played out by animals. So I mentioned the uh, like the little monkey scene with the lion, um, just the fact that the whole thing about George is that he's goofy but sincere, like there's not an insincere bone in his body. And the part that I thought was most touching was when he says that he's never felt embarrassed when he's trying to get Ursula to dance and she's like, oh, I'd be embarrassed. And that's just not a concept that he gets. There's something so freeing in that. Yeah. It's a blast from the past, but it's also uh, has really refreshing themes for today. And you get to have fun along the way. Yeah. I mean, I recommend George of the jungle because it is like surprisingly really funny. Like I think a lot of, uh, cartoon, TV, or older property adaptations just get very easily dismissed. And very much like I did uh, walking into this movie. Um, but like, not all of the adaptations are created uh, the same. And this one was like fun, funny, and very sweet. Um, and it was just a well-rounded movie. And um, every time George, like, runs into a tree it's just like yeah this is what we this is what we're here for like that it's in the theme song um it's not like they're like waiting for i feel like a lesser adaptation would be like all right and we're gonna tell the gritty origin of george and the first time that he ran into a tree uh <laughs> like it would just the whole movie would lead up to him finally swinging and then he hits a tree or just like right before he hits a tree cuts to black and you're like we'll see in the sequel like i feel like this yeah. movie doesn't hold anything back and also last thing uh the movie knows exactly what it is like i love comedies that know exactly what kind of comedy they're telling uh what devices they're working with uh and it's just good so if you are looking for a laugh and nostalgic about uh a 17 episode 1960s cartoon well uh you're in luck because george of the jungle is here to swing into your hearts and that is our review of george 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 of the jungle let us know what you remember about george of the jungle including the trailer that lied to you uh on twitter we are at flashback flicks and it would really help the show out if you could swing on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating uh, on a scale of one to five classic devices of comedy. 
Ricky, I think that's your most accessible <laughs> scale yet. And, and also, just write our review telling us what that scale is. We'd really appreciate it. And be sure to see you next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Coming soon to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. You'll love our review of Westworld, the movie starring Yul Brynner. Now you get it. 